Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today is podcast number 1,563. The topic is training and the title is How to Personalize Your Bench Press Training. So we've been going through a little bit of like a how to personalize kind of aspect with our training podcast recently and I've been getting emails and people have said they really like it. So I was like, cool, we'll just keep it going. <laughs> so once you have something that's good, you just beat it to death basically. <laughs> but um, hopefully it's still interesting. Hopefully there is, uh, you know, it, it continues to be something people like. So the most recent ones we did was podcast 1,559. We went through how to personalize your back training and how that is uh different depending on your arm length and how often you deadlift. And then we had podcast 1,554, which is training uh, how to personalize your leg training and how that differed depending on the length of your upper leg and the length of your torso. So that was kind of cool to know. We did podcast 1,550, which is how to personalize your chest training, which is like chest for growth and how that changes depending on your arm length. So we had a lot of fun ones. And I wanted to come back. The person who recently sent an email asked about bench press training for strength. And they liked the chest training one for growth, but they wondered how to how to implement that information into a bench press focused, like barbell bench press focused workout. So that's what we're going to do today. So that's how it works. You're a listener, you send an email, and I make a podcast about it. <laughs> so pretty awesome service. So what we want to go through is when we're talking about bench press, typically the warm-up that I would have, and everything I'm going to say right now is what I would typically do with clients. However, each individual client is a little bit different, so we do make changes if needed for each individual. Uh, so this is a general thing that everybody can start with, and it's pretty damn good, and then you might have to kind of tweak a little bit for yourself. So the warm-up, we work on thoracic mobility. That's one of the biggest things I work on uh, or I focus on in warm-ups for bench press is you want to make sure the person has healthy shoulders. You want to have full, free range of motion. You don't want to have anything be clicky and tight and you know anything that feels restrictive. So we do some type of thoracic mobility work. And it depends on the person, depends on the equipment they have, depends on what their style is. You know, do they do they mind getting down on the ground and doing some, you know, like lat stretches and plank variations if we want some extra core work as well? Or do they hate being on the ground, so I give them standing variations. I just kind of play with it. So, for example, at our gym, we have a concept to ski erg. So I like doing reverse flies and tricep press downs on our ski erg. Uh, you just crisscross the cables and do reverse flies. Tons of blood flow for your upper back. And it really helps, in my opinion, kind of pump up the back side of the shoulder as I also work to kind of stretch and open the front side of the shoulder. But it's only a concentric uh, tension. There's no eccentric tension. So it's really good for fluid flow and it has absolutely no uh, inflammatory aspects or any kind of negative strength impact whatsoever. So I really love that variation. So since I have that piece of equipment, I use it. <laughs> so we do something for the shoulder, something for thoracic mobility that helps improve overall shoulder health and it helps with scapular positioning in the bench press. So you can actually have your upper back uh, positioned at the best possible position to give your shoulders the most stability. So therefore you can display your strength the best. If your shoulders are unstable in some way, you're going to have some, some limit to power output. So shoulder mobility, uh, like thoracic mobility, overall shoulder health, absolute necessity in any warm-up for bench press. 
then I also think, okay, do I have something in there that's warming up and getting blood flow and fluid flow through their shoulders and elbows? We want to make sure we get fluid flow through the tissues and the shoulders and elbows just to balance out any weird tightnesses or anything that's going on in the joint as they come into the workout. So maybe they did a really heavy deadlift workout or a back workout, you know, recently and their forearm muscles are super tight. I want to be, make sure we get some fluid through there, loosen some of that up so that way it doesn't cause torque tension, which can go up into the shoulder or down into the wrist. So you want to do some kind of fluid flow. Uh, through the elbow and shoulder and then we also uh, depending on the style of bench press uh, we want to address tight hip flexors if the person has some degree of an arch in their bench press their hip flexors if they're tight they're going to limit their arch and or cause lower back pain when they try to arch so we do something to open up the hip flexors and that's going to help. Even my flat back benchers, the ones that have basically no arch, I still do hip flexor work because if they're tight at all, it limits um, you know, their positioning, but it leads to pulling and tugging on the lower back, which then could impact our deadlift or our squat workout later in the week. So I still want to address the hip flexors, even if they're a pretty flat back bencher. So that warm up is pretty consistent in regards to the concepts. And then just what exercises they are, you know, I change them every single month for every client and we do whatever's best for that client. So uh, to learn more about the warm up, you can listen to podcast 1112. So 1112, <laughs> 1112. It's a training podcast titled The Best Warm Up Routine. And it is. It's the best warm-up routine. <laughs> so you can check that out on our website, www.brutalirongym.com. We have all of our podcasts on there. So what then, what do you do? You know, so we have our warm-up. We have everything ready. Uh, what do we do next? Now, there's um, a formula, kind of a step-by-step. -step. I'm going to tell you what to do in today's podcast. Again, this is not how I do it with everybody, uh, but this is a pretty good way to do it. <laughs> so what I typically would do is I would have them use a barbell, and we would do some variation of a bench press that is specific to something we're working on technique-wise. So if we're working on, you know, technique to be more explosive, rather than just have them warm up to a regular bench press, I want them to do something in their warm-up that builds explosiveness. So one of the things we do is might be a click press. And what that is, is when you push the bar off the chest, you push it so fast that at the top, when you have to stop the bar, you hear the weights click at the top. Now, this is obviously if you're using metal plates. <laughs> if you're using something not metal, it's not going to click. But click presses, if you push explosively off the chest and stop the bar at the top, you'll hear the plates click. So I'm like, okay, well, I want you to push fast enough that you can hear the clicking of the plates. And I'll give them, you know, the weights I want them to do, how many reps, and, and to what weight that's probably going to, like, not work. You're not going to do a one rep max with clicks. You know, it's not going to be so explosive that the plates click at the top of one rep max. But in their warm-ups, we might as well get some explosiveness. You know, so maybe I have them, you know, do the bar. No clicks, obviously. But we might go to 95 pounds, and I'm like, I want you to do a set of three, get it to click every time. We might go to 135, click every time. 185, just one rep with a click. And then maybe 225, we start our working sets. You know, if somebody's a little bit weaker, maybe I have them do the bar, then maybe 65 pounds, 85 pounds, 105 pounds, and then we go into stuff. But if, they, if I know that they need more explosiveness, I want to use the warm-ups till we get to, like, regular bench work. I want to use the warm-ups for something. Why, why waste that time? 
So I might do click presses if they need explosiveness, if they have an inconsistent pathway, meaning they don't touch the same spot every time on their chest, I might have them do what's called eccentric pauses. I want them to lower halfway down, stop, lower the rest of the way down, touch their chest, and drive all the way back up. There's no pause on the way back up. But that eccentric pause, they'll feel every time they stop halfway down, if they're stopping a little bit high or a little bit low, compared to like their 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 body. Are they stopping a little bit cl too close to their face? Are they stopping too close to their hips? I want them to play with that and get a feel for that. So you might do eccentric pauses. Um, you might also do spoto presses, uh, or spoto presses. Uh, spoto presses, a guy named Eric Spoto was a world record holder at one time with bench press, and he would do a lot of his warm-ups where he would actually keep the bar about an inch off his chest. At the bottom, he would never actually touch his chest with the bar, and that maintained constant arm pressure, tricep pressure, so he really loved it as a way to build up arm strength and tricep strength. So that was the same damn thing, as he's using his warm-ups for some kind of purpose. So spoto presses is a good way just to kind of pause, get a feel for where where you're pausing and then drive back up. Maybe somebody panics a little bit at their chest and I want to work on building confidence. So the spoto presses are great there with a pause or we can have them just do a long pause on their chest. So in their warm-up reps, I want them to pause for three seconds with the bar on their chest. They have to maintain back tightness, maintain body position, you know, good leg pressure, whole body tightness. So we don't want them to relax, but they have to pause. So we'll do something in the warm-ups, that's some variation of a barbell bench press that emphasizes something that we're working on technique-wise. Now, how many sets and reps really depends on the person, depends on their strength level. You know, stronger people need more warm-up sets, therefore they need less reps per set. Weaker people don't have the option for as many warm-up sets, so they might need more reps per set. So it's a really huge variety. In general, I might say we do three to five sets of this kind of special technique work anywhere from two to five repetitions per set. And that's obviously just a throwing it out there somewhere range. Now, we don't do any of that to failure. All of that is kept one or two reps short of failure. If there's any, like we, there should be no grindiness in the reps. So when they send me, when clients send me videos and I watch their videos, I shouldn't see any struggle in this technique work. It's, it's challenging, but there's no grindiness. There's no bad positioning. It looks super clean. So we would do no repetitions that have any technical uh, failure, any kind of physical failure. It's just right on the edge of everything feeling super clean. Like you were trying to film a tutorial video to show someone brand new to the movement. You want to show them just good reps. So you just perform good reps. So that would be the idea of this. Now we do that as we progress up in weight. So whatever the variation is, we're starting at the bar and we're working our way up to something that feels kind of challenging. When we get to something that's challenging, I typically have people convert over, change over them to just typical competition style bench press. So if they're doing a powerlifting like strength-based work, they, they know what competition bench press is. They're going to pause in their chest for a press count, you know, press command. But we want to bring it out, hold it, make sure we establish control, bring it down, pause in the chest long enough to get a press command, bring it to the top, hold it long enough to get a rack command. Now we will do that, and it depends on where we're at in our season, you know, if they're getting ready for power to meet or not, uh, off season, blah, blah, blah. We might do one, two, or three kind of top end sets, usually somewhere between one, two, or three repetitions. So it's, it's heavy, but again, none of this is taken to uh, form failure. It's all very clean work. So if they were to grind a smidge at all, they would definitely not do another repetition. So, for example, let's say somebody benches 315, 
I might have them work up and do 290 for three singles. So it's close-ish. It's a little over 90%, you know, like of their max. So we might be at 90, maybe 92.5%. They're just going to do one, two, or three kind of singles. If we're doing doubles, they might be at like 85, maybe 87.5%, somewhere in there. If we're doing triples, usually between 80 to 85%, somewhere in there. Uh, but that's usually the idea of it is a couple top-end sets just to really work on technique and see what the technique looks like when we're under heavy weight load. But that's it there. And then we move on to what would be considered a physical weakness variation. Meaning we're no longer working on technical aspects. I want to work on the physical weakness aspect of that person. So if they need overall more strength, a Larson press is actually really good because it kind of takes away the ability for the lower body and general positioning to kind of make up for physical weakness. So you might do a Larson press. And if they're like weaker bench presser, I might reverse band it. So in our gym, my dad and I built what I believe is the only standalone uh, reverse band bench press in the world. Uh, so it has auto spotting features, reverse band bench press, everything. It's all by itself. Pretty kick-ass machine. So we do a lot of reverse band work for clients. And then if clients train at facilities that don't have that, I use have them use like half rack supporters, you know, off the top of the uprights. We figure out something. We usually figure out something. So we do a lot of reverse band. And that would be if somebody's bench pressing, say, maybe one and a half times body weight or less. We do a lot of reverse band. If somebody can bench press, you know, over one and a half times their body weight, I tend not to do reverse band because it's almost like a little too demanding at times. You have to be a little careful on how often you make them do an overload variation because uh, then you have to do an underload to let them recover. And then sometimes I don't want to do the underload because I want them to continue to drive forward and push forward if we're in an off season. I don't want to do an, you know, an underload when we have a chance to just continue pushing heavy loads. So it really depends on the person whether I do overload variation or underload variation. But if you're bench pressing less than one and a half times your body weight, you can do reverse band work pretty often and, and get a big boost from it. But a Larson press is a variation of a press that if you just want overall more strength, that's a good variation. Uh, if somebody needs more triceps, so maybe they have really long upper arm bones and they recruit their chest very well in a bench press, but they don't have really good tricep strength, we might do a close grip spoto press. You know, and that's going to be really wicked on the triceps. They're going to hate that variation because they're going to be very weak at it. But that's the point, is we want to find a variation that they're awful at because we know if they get better at that, they're probably going to get better at the regular bench press. And again, if the person's weaker, we might reverse band those photo presses. If somebody needs more chest, so maybe they have short upper arm bones like I do, and their triceps are dominant in presses, then I know I need more chest development. So I can do what's maybe a guillotine press if they're super strong. Uh, that's a very limiting style of bench press, but it's really freaking hard on the chest. And actually really wicked on the triceps right down by the elbow as well. But it's a really good variation uh, if somebody's needing more chest getting away from like a tricep dominant position. Or you can do wide grip spoto presses. You know, wide, like spoto presses are just annoying for everyone <laughs> in a good way. Uh, and there's like 4 million bench press variations. I'm just using a couple so that way if you look at some of these it's not overwhelming to how many you look at. But you would typically do a wide grip if you want to get more chest work. And again, you can you can reverse band that if you need more uh, 
stress load if you're on the weaker side of things. You can also just go on YouTube and type, you know, bench press variations and then just look and see what people offer out there. If you try and it's really hard on your triceps, it's a tricep movement. If you try and it's really hard on your chest, it's a chest movement. And then that way you'll know. So if, if you're thinking about like how to personalize, if you have long upper arm bones, then that means you're probably chest dominant and you could use a little more tricep work. If you have short upper arm bones, you're probably tricep dominant and you could use more chest work. So what you can also do is test and see is if I try a variation, am I really freaking good at it? I probably don't need to do that one. So I had one client, for example, we did a dead press where we had um, hard supports and a bench press set up to where right before the bar would touch his chest, the bar will hit these supports. And then he would have to press it from a dead position, dead stop, no momentum, no stretch reflex, drive it up from that dead position off the arms, the support arms. Well, he could freaking damn near do his one rep max <laughs> off the dead press. And I was like, that's amazing, but also useless for us now. <laughs> so I switched him to guillotine presses and they destroyed him in a good way. So we're like, okay, that's the one we need. So if you test something and you're already really good at it, don't do that. That stinks for the ego. I know that. And it's not as fun. But when do you want your fun? Do you want your fun when you're going for a one rep max and you're hitting brand new PRs? Or do you want your fun every week in training, but then you're super depressed because you never your PR, PR never goes anywhere. Your one rep max never goes anywhere, right? So I would rather humble myself in my training and then really have fun and show out when I want to for one rep maxes. Uh, so that's, you know, my personality. Uh, and if you're a powerlifter, that better be your personality because it's only what you do on the platform that matters. So that would be an idea of way of knowing is if you're like, well, how do I know what variation to do? Try anything you find on YouTube. If you're really good at it, don't do that. If you suck at it, do that more. <laughs> okay. Pretty easy recipe. Now, so that takes care of the barbell based work. So we did our kind of technique warm up, then we did our competition style kind of top single stuff, and then we did our physical weakness variation. Now we move on to non-barbell things and we do general accessories. And this, I typically do some other type of press. Now what I mean by the other press is if I did a tricep variation with a barbell, I'm gonna do a chest variation of something else. If I did a chest variation of the barbell, I'm going to do a tricep variation of something else. So for example, let's say I did close grip spoto press to work my triceps with a barbell. I then am going to pick something for my chest when I do my general accessories. So that might be chest flies, maybe dumbbell chest flies, something like that. So you do the other one. So if you did a barbell chest movement, you would do tricep something else. If you did a tricep barbell movement, then you do a chest something else. So you do some other, like the other press. So maybe an overhead press to work your triceps and shoulders if you already did a barbell version of a chest thing, okay? So you do the complementary thing as the other press. And then you do something for your upper back, uh, something for a row variation and something for a pull-up or pull-down variation. And then make sure your grips are different between those two. So if I do a wide overhand grip row, I want to do an anything but wide overhand grip pull-up or pull-down. If I do narrow neutral grip, uh, you know, pull-up or pull-down, I want to do anything but that for the row. So do anything else for your grip. Do not double up on the same grip between your rows and your pull-ups and pull-downs. Okay? That's it. Now, if you have extra time, you can do some kind of shoulder raises and bicep curls and stuff, but that's, you know, secondary stuff and it's not super important. You can get that in any other workout or just skip it.
uh, because your shoulders and, tri and biceps are involved already in, in what you've already done. But that's pretty much the recipe is you do uh, a, a warm-up, a general warm-up, which we said was like thoracic mobility, blood flow in the shoulders and elbows, and address tight hip flexors. You do all that, okay? Then you want to touch a barbell and do some technique work variation of warm-ups. So as you warm up to your top-end lifts, you want to be doing some kind of variation that works on a technique aspect you want to improve on. Then when you do your top-end competition-style bench, you're thinking of that technique. You've already built that in in the warm-ups. And you do, like we said, one to three sets of one to three reps, something like that. And again, it's sub-maximal, very clean, clean technique. Then you go to your weakness variation of bench press, so still a barbell, some kind of weakness variation. That one, you can absolutely kick your ass. So when you do the physical weakness work, destroy yourself. You know, if you get a little grindy, oh well, you want to have multiple sets that have huge stress. That's the one you beat the shit out of yourself. Sorry for swearing. Uh, beat the crap out of yourself. And that's the one that you want all the damage and stress. And then after that, you go to general accessories. So any other type of like pressing movement that emphasizes the other one. So if you did a chest barbell thing, you do a tricep other thing. If you do a tricep barbell thing, you do a chest other thing. Okay. And you do rows and pull-ups and pull-downs. And you mix your grip between that. Okay. So that's the that's the thing. So general warm-up, then a, a technique-focused barbell warm-up. Top-end barbell work with competition style, then a barbell variation of a weakness variation of a bench press, and then you do your other accessories, which is some other type of pressing movement with back exercises, both rows and pull-ups and pull-downs. Awesome. So that is a good general format for a bench press-focused workout, and it gives you a lot of room within that structure to personalize to what you need. You know, what is going to be the best thoracic mobility movement for you? What's going to be the best way to address hip flexors for you? Then when you go to your technique work, do you need explosiveness? Do you need more consistency in your pathway? Do you need more confidence with the bar on your chest? You can pick whatever of that you need and work on that. Then your top-end technique work, you're just trying to clean things up, see how efficient it looks, see if you can figure out what's weak or what's a, like something that's holding you back, and then you need to work on that in the next workout. Then you go to your physical like weakness work, some horrible variation of bench press that you're absolutely awful at, kick your butt at that thing, then you go to the accessories. Awesome. So that is a great, great, great routine. Promise, promise, promise that that is a great format that you can use. Just personalize it and then uh, just enjoy, you know, have fun going from there. So typically I, I use movements for four weeks in a row and then I switch them up and, and make my body have to learn something new. Now, if you want any help with programming, we do have our like normal one-on-one -on -one service, which is $200 a month. I write your training program for you and your nutrition, and then I check in with you every week and I do video reviews and everything. It's, it's all the things that you could possibly have somebody do for you. I do it for $200 a month. And then um, we also do have our live monthly programming service, which will be up and running in February is my goal. Uh, and with that one, one of the options is power building. And that program will be brand new every four weeks. It'll follow formats and stuff like this. There'll be brand new movements, uh, new learning concepts. And with that service, everybody does get the same program, but there's a lot of openness to personalization. 
by listening to podcasts like this. Uh, and we have a live Q&A that you can ask me any questions you want every single week. We have a Google Doc that you can go in and write down your questions and I'll write answers every single week. And then I have training education videos that will be exclusive to subscribers for the live monthly programming. So if you want to learn more about that, check out our website at www.brutalenergym.com. Okay, thank you for listening. I do hope that you like these podcasts. I hope that they've been beneficial. If you ever have any questions, feedback, or suggestions, anything you want to know, let me know at my email, brutalenergym at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please share it. When you share it, let people know we answer questions for free. Thank you to those who donate to support the podcast. It does have a high hosting cost every single year. You could donate on our website. Even just $5 a month, it does add up, and it absolutely does help. Thank you to those who do that. If you like the information we share in our podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. Uh, Instagram, post every day. YouTube, a lot more often. You can find us and follow us under the name Brutal Iron Gym. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.